the marinade. There's no O in marinade. Let's try it one more time. Ready? One, <laughs> two, three. <laughs> the marinade. Marrow. Marrow. Marinade. Bone marinade. The marinade. The marinade. With Jason Earl. Welcome to The Marinade, a free-flowing conversation about the creative process with creative people. This is episode 136, and our guest is J.D. Clayton. J.D. Clayton is a songwriter from Fort Smith, Arkansas, whose full-length debut record, Long Way From Home, was released in January of 2023. Clayton has this clear way of communicating the intricacies of life, and this record is a gorgeous expression of that ability. We caught up with J.D. at Bonnaroo 2023 in Manchester, Tennessee. Y'all, I want to take a second to thank you for supporting the marinade. I caught up with JD in the media tent at Bonnaroo the day before Morgan Wade and Charlie Crockett were milling about. Tyler Childers walked right by the spot I was working after my conversation with JD. I have a feeling we'll be talking about JD Clayton in the same breath as those folks before you know it. And y'all, none of this is possible without you listening, supporting, and spreading the word about the marinade. Everyone, it is my great honor to bring you my conversation with J.D. Clayton. Buddy, your set yesterday was so good. Thanks, man. I mean, I was doing like a recap. I just tweeted out like a, a quick, because I'm going to write more. Yeah. And then I'm going to publish this. But I just tweeted out like a quick, here are my reflections on my two days at Bonnaroo. Yeah. Right? And the most fun I had, and it's not even close, was your set. Man, thank you so much. And we're talking about some, you know, giants that I got to see yesterday sure, yeah. and some incredible shows. Now, part of it is that I've spent so much time with your record and I, I love it. And so, yeah. like, I was really invested in the songs and yeah. getting to hear them live, you know. But also, That means a lot, man. Thank you. Absolutely. But you had that crowd. Did you the, feel, could, what did it feel like, your first Bonnaroo? Can you take us to that moment? What did it feel like being up there? Man... I know that this is cliche, but I, I posted about it later in the afternoon. I just, the, I wrote, I have no words. I, and I, <laughs> it's still hard to, I woke up in the camper this morning next to my guitar player and I just said, you know what we all really haven't talked about yet is that show. You yeah. Know, it's, um, we're all just still kind of sitting in it. Uh, yeah. I can't believe it was real. <laughs> yeah. Well, um, buddy, I, I'm, I mean, 
Morgan Wade was playing, yeah. right? So there's competition for, you know, for crowd, right? Yeah. And uh, I I caught a couple of her songs, and then I, I made it over to, to make sure that I caught the beginning of your set and, and yeah. got the whole thing. Yeah. Um, and people just kept trickling in yeah. and trickling in because there was like this buzz about it, right? You yeah. could, and you know how festivals are where there's like this buzz and people start to move over, yeah. and then all of a sudden your tent was full, yeah. and all of a sudden everybody's fucking grooving, man, <laughs> dancing. <laughs> like, there's a couple of moments that really stood out that I think would be a good way to, for us to get into the record. Um, but like, so you played a few of my favorites from the record. You played Cotton Candy Clouds. Yeah. You played Goldmine. Um, and then Beauty Queen was the one that got everybody really going. Yeah. Um, let's let's use that kind of as a jumping off point to, sure. to talking about like your record. Um, with with those songs, and I mean, like t- again, to me, top to bottom, it's a fantastic record. Thanks, but man. Cotton Candy Clouds is probably my favorite song awesome. on the record. <laughs> nice. Um, can you talk about that particular tune and like because. I, I can't quite I'm supposed to be putting my finger on like why these things move me right that's what I'm yeah. doing as this music journalist I don't know about that one I just know that it 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 makes me feel right um I think that song was so hard mm. to make mm-hmm. I wonder if you feel that when you listen to it mm-hmm. uh, without knowing it. You don't have to know that it was a hard song to make, but it's just, it's grandiose in, in its form. And, you know, this is not, I'm not trying to sound braggadocious. I, I think we pulled off what we were trying to achieve. Mm-hmm. And mm-hmm. Um, that song started as a piano ballad for me. I just wrote it one night and, I, you know, I'm a very... I'm a fan of all music, but I really do enjoy, you know, um, uh, musicals and, and, uh, like my my mom likes to tell people that my favorite movie was Mary Poppins growing up. Uh So I I have, as a songwriter, I have a very, I'm drawn to, you know, really big melodical ballads. Mm -hmm. So that was definitely something I was setting out to do. Once I had recorded the majority of the record, I knew that that song wasn't going to fit as a piano ballad. Mm. So I rewrote it on guitar. And when I did that, <coughs> excuse me, when I did that, it completely gave it a new feel. Uh-huh. And I had to change some of the, the form. Um, but yeah, I mean, I took it into the studio and showed it to my producer. And, and he just was like, dude, this is not good like we don't <laughs> I, I don't understand what you're trying to do it doesn't make sense and i just said man i, I swear I, could, I can hear it in my head what it's supposed to be like uh. just let me let's just we'll figure it out like so i left the studio that day and went for a walk i, I do my best work when i'm just on a on a walking trail or something sure. and pulled out my voice memo app on my phone and started humming the song top to bottom and i would kind of like beatbox where the drum fills would go and like you know just hum where guitar parts would go and yeah walked into the studio the next day showed it to the band and we had that song kind of finished in a couple hours dude there's so many lessons here right like one is not giving up on something you believe in you believed in that song 
And it could have been very easy for you to just be like, okay, because you have all these other songs, you got all these other ideas. Yeah. The second is that like stepping away. I love that process of stepping away. I mean, we talk a lot, anytime we're talking about creativity on this show, about like zooming out as much as possible. Yeah. But that's fucking hard sometimes, especially if you're already in the studio. Yeah. So like for you to have that, that self-awareness to go like, I can't give up on this song, yeah. but I need the space to go yeah. and think it through. Man, yeah, I don't know. I don't know why that is. It's just uh, somebody was asking me this week what my process is for songwriting and, you know, how, uh, you know, do you write a lot of bad songs before you write a good one? Do you do a lot of co-writing? Do you all these things? And that's kind of typical for Nashville standards. Yeah. And um, I, I'm very much a try to think of myself as like a painter when I'm. My mom's a a painter by trade. And it just mm. when you're going up to the canvas and you're working on something that you believe in, well, it's not something we just you just throw on there and then hey, I'll do a better one tomorrow. A painter slowly, meticulously carves into that canvas with their brush hours and hours and hours and if it doesn't look right when you stand away from it far back then it's not right and you got to go in and put a little color here and a little color there and yeah we have to trust our ear Mm. if it does not sound right it is not right yeah yeah it's not uh you're i mean as the creator as the producer as the songwriter if we're not relying on our ear then what are we doing yeah I don't care about, you know, everybody says the, as the producer or the artist, we're, you know, they're right. We're, we're way more, um, we're way bigger critics of our work than the average listener. Right. But I, man, I just, I want to make good stuff. I want to make things that are, that are excellent and I want to strive for, for perfection we won't ever hit it but yeah i'm gonna strive for it at least and if um you know if hopefully we get something magical out of that well what's that line on american millionaire i'm working my way to be one of the greats <laughs> you know that song is uh, i i love the feel and the sound but sometimes i'm like man i really hope people know i'm kidding on this i i am not <laughs> I'm not out here trying to just like. I mean, I want to pay rent. Yeah. Believe me. <laughs> okay, I, I was gonna I, say. I do want to. I I want to be able to provide for the fam. But uh, yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> I was gonna. I, I got to push back a little bit because I think what I'm hearing you say is that you are incredibly dedicated to your craft. It would be, of course, kind of egotistical to say I I want to be one of the greats in a certain way. But like, I just saw Charlie Crockett last night, and. <sighs> Or yesterday, did you did you make that? I set? was there, man. Holy cow, <laughs> he is so good, dude. He's so good, and at the end, he said something that I've heard. He says he said something like, "Come out, come out again next time. It'll be better." Yeah, yeah, yeah. I heard that too. I loved that. Yeah, ta- he was like, uh, w- "I love how he does the little rhymes and stuff." It once yeah. he introduces people, it says their name, and then does a whole little you know uh, rhyme scheme with their name. Uh, I was blown away, but yeah, exactly. He was, yeah. he, he was just like, hey. but that didn't come across as cocky. That came across as I put everything into this yeah. and he, you know, he has that reputation yeah. and like 
I put everything into this. I'm going to do everything I can to be the best that I can be. And it's going to be better next time you see it. And that's what I, maybe you're not ready to say that, but that's what I'm hearing you say. So to some extent is like, Hey, I'm going to, I'm going to keep doing this. Like yeah. th- that, that analogy of the canvas and the painter makes so much sense to me. Yeah. Um, and I, I think there's so many lessons, not just in songwriting, but in creative work in general of that, like, cause that, that meticulous nature of the process some songwriters tell me, oh, my best ones all just come out in one fell swoop or whatever. Uh, I don't get that. Like that yeah. That's amazing to me. Yeah. Great. But I just don't get that. What you're saying resonates with me. I, it's very rare when that happens. Uh, but those are the ones people want to talk about. Mm. And people you know, are fascinated by that. I think that it's more likely to happen that way when you have written a ton of songs. Uh, uh randomly you'll stumble upon one one day and it's long way from home was that way i i was working for a landscape company during covid and was super depressed and Mm. down and you know just hadn't seen my folks in arkansas for over a year uh, because arkansas was getting hit so hard by covid and um yeah i mean we all were going through hard times then but it just in that moment I was sitting on the front porch of this apartment complex that we had just run the irrigation on and I'm sitting next to Alfredo uh he's every lunchtime all the guys would take a siesta and then we get back to work at noon but uh yeah I I just sitting there next to him and I was like man I I, this is awful I, Uh. I am so what am I doing with my life and I just started typing on my notes app and I had long way from home done <laughs> that in minutes. That's incredible. That doesn't seem like the kind of place that would be conducive to creating, right? That's really hard work. Yeah. And you, you know, you're physically drained, um, if not mentally and emotionally, maybe. But de- but you're definitely emotionally because of what's going on at the time. Definitely. Yeah. Um, that's incredible that you were able to write. Are you able to do that? Are you, like in random moments? moments that maybe don't seem conducive to the creative process does that does that come to you is it always on uh it, it can be it's just for me it's it's I, I could sit down right here with you and and in 30 minutes come up with something yeah and i'll know pretty quick if it's like if it's the canvas that we need to dive into and start really Good, working on for a while. Good, because I brought the bones of the song <laughs> nice, that I wanted. here we yeah, go, here we go. <laughs> you know, um, yeah, I think it, it helps when I'm in a certain headspace, but, mm-hmm. but yeah, I can sit down with a, my notes anywhere and just start kind of making something up. And that's, that's really how you start any song. It's just I'll strum the chords that I like to play typically it's in the key of E if I'm just mm. writing um, just because I like the sound of it and I'll just mumble and hum and maybe I say something that catches my ear and I'm like well that's maybe I could make a song out of that idea and and next thing you know you're you're on it and a couple hours later it's done yeah let's okay so let's go back in time a little bit to get to where we are now sure. to that place in your process because I find you're kind of like what I understand of your musical um, education and upbringing fascinating. And one of the things that I find really interesting is that detail about your father becoming a pastor yeah. right about the time you started high school. Is that right? Yeah. I guess I was 
it may have been junior high. He decided he was going to become a bivocational pastor and do real estate. He, he had always been in real estate his whole life. Yeah. Um, and started a college church, just having a Sunday night service for college students in our town, Fort okay. Smith, Arkansas. Uh-huh. And it just slowly, you know, he, he started feeling called to quit real estate altogether and... Um, yeah, felt the need to do a church plant and uh, start the church that he's the pastor of now in, in Fort Smith. Um, so that was a there's there's been a lot of moments in my life that in the moment you didn't think anything was changing because yeah. you're in it. Yeah. And then you look back and, and you realize, man, that was mm. kind of intense. That's stuff. a big deal. You know, we. I'd gone to a certain school my whole life, had all these friends. 2008 happened. Um, mm. You know, real estate was, was no more, you know. Yeah, it's, yeah. Uh, then my dad starts, you know, going down the path. A year or two later, starts going down the path of <coughs> becoming a uh, pastor. I mean, that's just an entire change for our whole family yeah and, and you know once you're a pastor's kid that's that comes with its own things um the family of the pastor you know you're at every event you're a lot of the grunt work for church planning is is done through just some of the few um yeah so yeah i mean i i'm i'm not complaining i wouldn't have it any other way it's been mm. it's been fine but um yeah pretty interesting change of events so so what is that what like what is your relationship with spirituality or religion like now having kind of because that's a i guess like like you mentioned like that's a pretty intense thing to happen and then you're immersed in it and you're going through all the things that go along with it so how has that informed sort of like your relationship with religion or spirituality now yeah um I think that, like everybody, I I struggle and and have doubts, and and I do think maybe as a pastor's kid, there is a little more pressure and intensity. Mm. Um, just a lot of eyes on you. Are you representing? Um, you still feel that. Not, not necessarily. It's just mm. in music. Uh, I mean, and I'll go ahead and say. I mean, I, I'm I'm a, a born again Christian. I, mm-hmm. I, I, I'm not. Um, I, I don't struggle with that. Uh, but I think in the music industry, we, especially in these small southern towns, we're taught to believe a certain thing mm-hmm. about music, mm-hmm. and the industry and the business and just how it works and typically typically it's not that's a lot of that's not correct it can be true yeah um but that's been kind of a a a little bit of a bump in the road is just trying to educate the people around me that you know this is at the end of the day it's a business and it's an art and it's a craft and um i make money showing and displaying and entertaining using my craft yeah um that's at the heart of it that's what we're doing there's 
you can add a uh, artist can add a lot of things to that along yeah. the way, and things can get hairy. But um, you know, we're not living in the late '60s, early '70s, right? Um, you can you can have a family, and you can have your cake and eat it too. I believe I, that. I love that. I love that honesty. You know, and, and I think that's true. I think most people I talk to feel similarly, and I also think in order to there's so much competition you know now that like if you're going to pursue this thing there's so many people pursuing it yeah and so you kind of have to make sure you're showing up every day and doing your job yeah that's right somebody else is going to well i mean not to you know go direct this whole thing towards talking about faith and christianity but i this goes back to what we were talking about with the painting and cotton candy I'm I'm a firm believer that my the way I work, the way I pursue goals, the way I um, uh, you know people watch everybody. Everybody's always watching somebody else, and 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 you can be a example for how to do something. I think Charlie Crockett does that with his work. Yeah, when he gets up on stage and plays that show. I as an artist can watch that and see, man, I need to be doing better. Like that's, yeah, that's, uh, this is excellence. Yeah. He, he works so hard. And, and in my opinion, that's, um, I, I, all this, <clears throat> my gosh, dude, I'm so sorry. Oh, it's all good. <clears throat> we can edit long, <laughs> long nights. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> It'll lead to some I understand. Slim, if you will, uh, <laughs> the hard work, it is a display of um, the glory of God, in my opinion. I, I'm I work really hard to to honor Him, and and I do it for His glory. So that's um, you know that's not for everybody. That's that's just for me. I um, or my experience. Yeah. Um, but yeah, not to go down that whole path. But that's just and it's uh, fine if we do. I yeah. love talking about that shit. All right, so like I grew up in the Baptist church. It fucked me too. up. I did too. Yeah, and yeah. like I, well, that's an interesting yeah. point. It, yeah, it, it yeah. did me too. Like, I, I love hearing. Yeah. I love hearing people say what you're saying because like for me, it's not a positive thing at all. It's only a negative influence. So I love that you're yeah. getting so much good out of it because yeah. I know that there is good yeah. that a lot of people get. Yeah. And so, I, and I really love that you framed it the way you did. Like, yeah, we can fucking, dude, we can talk yeah, religion. Yeah. Well, I, 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 I grew <laughs> I don't up, want to take all day for no, you. Yeah, but, I, no, yeah, no, it's I all good. That, I, I love that conversation. I, I grew up in the Baptist church. It, it, it messed me up a lot too. Um, yeah. I, I, a lot of the belief systems um, are very legalistic. Yeah. And, uh, and that's just not, that's just not what the Bible preaches. Yeah. Um, but it took all the, my whole entire life to learn that unfortunately um, yeah so yeah a lot of the hang-ups and struggles come from that early upbringing in the trip man and that was a lot of my dad becoming a pastor was getting us out of the baptist church uh, um we yeah he just realized that, like this the you know kind of a lot of the um theology and uh teaching styles everything that comes with southern baptist church is just it's not where we wanted to to be yeah so uh he became a ordained pca pastor uh which is the presbyterian church of america yada 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 okay so anyways um that's a whole deal but 
yeah, it's it's tough, man. It's not easy. It's um, I'm not here to put that on anybody. It's just um, it's useful for you. That's right. It's it's not only useful for you, but it informs your practice, which I think is great. And I I also want to explore part of that more of that upbringing of uh, or that uh, sort of evolution of education in music. Yeah. It seems like you go to college and you kind of like really start to pour yourself into, I want to make records and I want to make them right. Yeah. Can you talk about that decision and like that moment? Yeah. Yeah. <clears throat> oh, it's all good. Much. Like, I was watching Fleet Foxes and they were incredible. That, sh- that was one of the best. Uh, golly. Uh, yeah, I've already told people that Wolfpack was the best show I've seen. But Fleet Foxes, that, dude. I, I, I have never seen them. I really don't even know their music. I I was in awe. I can't. The next two weeks is just going to be Wolfpack and Fleet Foxes for me. Yeah, well, you mentioned in 2008 uh, dropping that, that particular date in. Yeah, yeah. Like, I, that, at that time, those bands, I don't know how to describe those bands other than, like, Pacific Northwest bands, I guess. Yep. But, like, Fleet Foxes was just on heavy rotation and then I got away from them and they got me back last night but then that damn EDM thing oh, was man. going and it was like I get it people are into that whatever it's not for me and that's fine Yeah. but I could barely hear I know. the vocals I kept moving up and like I don't like being in crowds anyway it gets tied <clears> up there man that, yeah. that's a ton of people <laughs> yeah so anyway your yeah. decision to make uh, to really dedicate yourself and and to make and to make make records right. It sounds like you were like I want to not just have you know demos or whatever. Like I want to do things yeah. at a professional level. Man, so it's a long story, but basically, because my dad became a pastor, and I had somewhat of music interest. I was playing in the church band. Mm-hmm. That began to get me comfortable with playing in front of people. I was a drummer early on, so you know, for uh, worship songs, I'd be playing like a, a djembe or some bongos or something, like while a guy played acoustic. That whole thing. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> um, but eventually, the guy that was. Uh, that was helping out with the church left. And so I basically had to, I was the only one that could play music. And, um, so I had to be the front guy and lead the songs. And, Oh, wow. Um, all of that began, um, basically I, I had, my parents gave my sister a piano and I would, I was so intrigued by it that I would sneak in and, you know, play it when she wasn't in there and, figured out how chords worked and all this stuff I basically just out of curiosity began to fall in love with music at a young age but no one my parents weren't pushing me towards it they didn't you know music is not a career you you yeah in Fort Smith Arkansas yeah music's not a, a good career yeah um, and if you do choose it as a career you're you know you're probably an alcoholic and a drug addict <laughs> <laughs> so um, I basically slowly learned how to sing, how to play. And by the time I got to high school, a friend of mine asked me if I would 
play at our high school graduation with her. And I, I mean, that was something I had never done. We ended up getting chosen to do it. We did it. And it was magical. Yeah. And here I am, you know, strumming a guitar and singing in front of thousands of people that at this big high school graduation. I mean, I'd, it was like a bug hit me immediately. I was just uh-huh. hooked. So I started, I went down to the farmer's market that summer before college, and I would busk next to, you know, the guys um, selling cucumbers and stuff and try to make some money on the weekend. Are you playing your stuff? Are you playing like... No, no, yeah. I would just be... I hadn't even written a song written yet. Song, yeah. I, I was just playing... I'm a huge Jack Johnson, Donovan Frankenrider, Amos Lee, Ben Harper, all that kind of like chill surfer yeah. uh, California stuff. That's yeah. that's my dad's favorite music. Yeah. I, I was not raised on country. He hates country, so... That's interesting. Uh, it was basically... Our house was just California surfer, singer, songwriters, <laughs> and the Beatles and Creedence Clearwater Revival. So fascinating. Because I mean, the stereotype in your head of somebody growing up in Fort Smith, Arkansas, learning you know, learning music wouldn't be Jack Johnson necessarily. It's so interesting that that was your kind of musical education. Yeah, man, that, it's, that's it. Useful, it, very useful. Yeah, though. yeah. I mean, I mean, those are good songs. Yeah, it's <clears throat> that's really my whole idea of a career in music is based off of just what I've seen Jack Johnson do with yeah. his career. I love, you know, having his family around, the whole thing. I mean, it's just everything that I want to do in 20 years it looks very similar in my mind to what he's done. Yeah. Um, and, you know, people can knock it. Some people think he's cheesy or they don't like his songs. Sure. Man, you know, screw those people. <laughs> yeah, whatever. Yeah, yeah. No. I love Jack. You heard it here on the Mariners. Yeah, that's right. Screw yeah. you, yeah, Jack yeah. Johnson haters. <laughs> Jack, Jack Johnson's <laughs> the man, dude. Um, so, yeah, I'm... I'm this is a long story to get to what you're saying, but basically I go to college um, that summer and I walk into a music appreciation class hmm. and meet a guy that plays guitar. And after class, I just was like, hey, dude, um, I don't know if you'd ever want to jam or hang out, but you know, I'm staying in this dorm and he was just one floor below me. So we started hanging out, started a little band called Small Town Symphony. And our first show was at the Starbucks on campus. And, man, it, just, it was just a bug that, like, qu- wouldn't quit. Yeah. And I, I've heard Drew Holcomb uh, of Drew Holcomb and the Neighbors sure. talk about this, like, why, what is it that makes someone keep doing music? And it's almost like out of necessity or demand when if you play a show and, and people come, well, then you might play another one. And then the next one, there's just a few more people. Yeah. It's, it kind of was like that. It just slowly started to build. And by the time I graduated college, when I put out my first EP, Smoke Out the Fire, we were pulling, you know, 200 to 300 people at just like the local venue in Fort Smith. That's no joke. It was crazy. I mean, it was wild that, and that's, if that had never happened, I would I would not have had the confidence to go. Maybe I can do this as a career. You know, maybe people actually like my stuff. Yeah. Um, but well, but y- you had something, right? Like people are showing up because the songs are good, and yeah, you know. But to to get to the making records and trying to to make good music really started because when I was a sophomore in college, it, it was we had taken a trip to Nashville to visit and I just fell in love with the city. I mean, Mm. it wasn't about the music. Yeah. I wanted to do music, but my wife and I 
girlfriend at the time were just enamored by yeah. by the city and we're like man this is where we want to live one day if we can yeah and i started working with a buddy that had moved out there just trying to make music to put it out yeah um and the <laughs> it was not a good process <laughs> the, the demos it it really it just i wasted a lot of time and money i would i would basically wake oh, up at 5 a.m on a friday drive to nashville try to record as many songs as I could and then be back to class by Monday. And, you know, it was just, this guy was kind of, he was going through his own stuff and it just didn't work out. But my junior year of college, I ran into a guy named Thomas Doolin that works for Drew Holcomb and the neighbors. And he was kind of trying to get started as a producer and had a little studio in his garage. And that's where I cut um, my first EP and yeah I mean Brown Hair Blue Eyed Baby which is like my my most streamed song uh, that was like my fourth song I ever wrote I that, just that I, slayed yesterday too you played that that was, was so that. fun yeah. <laughs> they, they were I, I love that we do the my favorite that's my favorite part of the set because we get to play the Joker and, and we throw in some Bob Marley and, yeah um, that, that one's fun for me yeah uh, so I hope people enjoy that whole oh, thing. Oh, you had everybody. You had everybody moving and it's yeah, awesome. it, it was fun. It, it was fun. Yeah. Um, so yeah, that's, it, it really, again, another kind of slow process build, but it just was, it took that grind during college to realize this is how you don't make songs and this over here is how you make oh, professional recordings. Yeah. Um, because with Thomas, you know, he brought in uh, you know, uh, Cody Fry that works with Wolfpack. He's a great artist on his own. Um, a lot of the guys that play with Drew Holcomb and Ben Rector, some of these kind of contemporary uh, pop rock guys. Um, that's just, I, I just stumbled into that world. I didn't mean to. It's not really what I was into, but um, I learned how to make these kind of polished Americana tunes that was yeah. really big in like you know 2014 to 2012 to 2015 that era of music yeah magical era of music yeah um i've been reflecting on that lately like especially with isbel's new record coming out like how when southeastern was released it kind of changed the game yeah i mean it wasn't like people hadn't been making i mean since the 60s people have been making what we now call americana or alt country or whatever right. i mean but I was just thinking about how, like, that ushered in this whole new era of of music that is rooted in country music and folk and yeah. blues, but, like, is so digestible to so many people. That's right. And how that, that decade, 2012 to now, you know, yeah. is just such a special, fruitful time for that kind of music. Yeah. It, it is, man. And, and that's that's really, had I not stumbled into it during that time, I would not have learned how to produce music. I wouldn't have learned how to structure songs. I wouldn't have learned how how to get in the studio and, and work and get what you need out of it and direct players and all these things. I I owe it to that little season with, with Thomas and working in his garage studio to to where I am right now. So how did you, I'm so glad that that, that, that was the, the turn of events. Now we have this beautiful record and you have this career that's, that's on the, on the upper trajectory and you're wowing crowds. 
But there's that moment where you make the where you where you go in the studio for the first time as a sophomore and it don't go so well. Right. And and you're burning the candle at both ends. Yeah. Right. Like I know, you know, I haven't done it for that particular reason, but I know that grind of I leave Friday night and I come back to make sure that I get to work on Monday morning. Yeah. And that's a lot and it can be defeating and it can suck the energy out of you long term, too. So what kept you going? Because you could have very easily been like, you know what, this I'll be I'll do landscaping or whatever. Yeah. And I'll have this side gig. I'll you know, I'll play some shows on the weekend. Man, uh, yeah, I don't know. Um, I, I don't have a great answer. It, it's um, other than that's uh, just how I'm wired. I, I, mm. I was a. My whole family is, uh, we're we're swimmers. We're we always uh. were competitive swimmers, and uh. um, my dad loved uh, you know triathlon sports, running and biking and swimming, and so our whole family you know competed in swim meets my whole life yeah and i was always the long distance swimmer i would i would do the sometimes i'd do the 500 freestyle the thousand and then i I competed in the mile a couple times but wow that's in in a pool you know when you run a mile it's not very long but in a in a swimming pool that's That's a long way it's a long time and so it's a mental game and you there's somebody at the end of the lane with a uh, a board that has numbers on it counting your laps for you and you are trying to maintain a consistent speed while also gradually getting faster but knowing where you are in the race so that you're not going too fast and burn all your energy but by the end you have to have enough in the tank to gun it yeah and that was my specialty because uh, it was just you had the discipline I'm gonna uh, maybe you know just you hear the buzzer we dive in and it's all heads down and it's just there'll be some guys kind of like you immediately see the lanes all dissipate some guys are just taking it slow right off the top some guys are gunning it for the first you know hundred and then it, yeah it's so my coach was always he would always just say um just figure out a good rhythm right at the front because basically my tendency was always to slowly get faster it's not that i was trying to i just did yeah i each lap my splits would always be like you know a hair faster than the the lap before yeah i wasn't thinking about that it was just I just kept getting a little bit faster, and by the end, by the last, you know, 100 yards, um, 100 meters, we're <laughs> all you have. Gunner. Yeah. So I'm. I think that I use a lot of that in my life. It's just nothing is easy, no matter what in this business. This the in music industry is just pounds and pounds of logistics <laughs> day in day out be here at this time be it, yeah yeah and it, it is a marathon my i was talking to my manager yesterday it was just you know we had fun at, at our show at the who stage but right after you come off it's like this is a marathon man we're not yeah great show but 
we got a long way to go. For folks and listening, JD was a hair early today, for the record. <laughs> hey, you know, which is pretty awesome, <laughs> and it was very communicative all morning. <laughs> Talk about logistics, my man's got it figured out. I I, I worked for a, a logistics trucking company when I moved to Nashville. So okay, uh, that makes sense. I, I I do I know the logistics. Well, that man, that's so interesting. We never talk about logistics on the show, but. But I think that is so important in the work that you do. There's so many moving parts. And if you don't have the team in place and then also your own logistical brain in order, house in order, it can make your life a lot more difficult. It's not that you can't do it. Lots of people are all all over the place logistically and still make it happen. But for you to have that, that's an advantage, I would say, I would think for you. 100%. Yeah, definitely. Yeah. No, it's it's um, I I was a business major in college, a marketing major. I, I worked a lot of jobs that had to do with logistics. Um, Arkansas is a big trucking state. So sure. a lot of the businesses like ArcBest and based in Fort Smith are all geared towards that. So yeah, yeah I, I learned a lot of that, but um, it's been, it has been super helpful. Um, nothing in this business works the way it's supposed to. Nothing <laughs> is right ever. You know, I mean, Charlie Crockett said the mains went off. Yeah, uh, mid set. Mid set. You, know? you just don't what know a what fucking pro he was about it too. And when it came back on, the crowd went nuts. nuts. And then there was a trumpet solo. I mean, yeah, I, <laughs> that set was dude, crazy. He he's unreal. Uh, <laughs> but but that's yeah, man. It's just it's a grind, and you have to be you have to be ready for that. And in my mind, I'm trying to just make sure that people get mad at me because it's I, I I think I probably don't enjoy the the wonderful moments as much as i should in the present time and Mm. and take a second and i I should do a better job of that but uh, man in my mind i'm like i'm already thinking for next year like what what did i learn from those the the wolfpack set and the charlie crockett set that if if for some reason bonnaroo invited me to come back next year what the heck am i going to do to draw a, a crowd that's twice as big what are we going to do to make our set twice as fun? Yeah. Um, are, are my my songs getting better? Am I writing better songs? Are, what, you know, I it's not it's not that I'm chasing a carrot. I, no, I'm I understand not, what I'm you're saying. I'm not trying to get yeah. to something. I'm yeah, not yeah. trying to be an American millionaire. I, I'm not. Right. It's not in my mind. It's just like. You just want to get better. Yeah. You just want to get better. I love, I, lo- I truly do. We. I mean, we all gripe and complain. Life, life is hard and, and work is work no yeah. matter what even if you're doing your passion and but i but love you, the grind but you know what it doesn't I, i've been reflecting on this a lot because i'm at a career crossroads yeah. this shockingly the marinade does not pay the bills <laughs> i know that's gonna f- level <laughs> hey, guess what my music doesn't either <laughs> <laughs> um patreon.com slash marinade podcast um <laughs> But, Hashtag money. <laughs> but in my in my career as an educator, I'm I the thing about like people always ask me, you know, like uh, people basically say like bless your heart, you know, because it's just yeah. fucking hard, and everybody yeah. knows that, and it's getting harder. Right. Um. I've been doing this 14 years. It's way harder now than it was 14 years ago. Right. Yeah. Um. And the thing that I keep saying is, all I really need is I need a living wage. I need to be treated with with respect, and that doesn't mean you're putting me on a pedestal or anything. It just means like treat me with dignity. Yep. And then I need to grow. 
Like I can't just keep, I, I see teachers and this is where I am right now where they get out of the game because, or they become jaded and yeah. I'm not going to be that guy. I'm not yeah. going to be the guy who's like pissed off at t- kids, yeah. <laughs> you know, yeah, for yeah. Yeah. things that aren't their fault. Right. Um, but where I am right now is, st- is stagnant. Like I don't feel like I can grow sure. because there's so okay. many forces pushing against that growth. What, uh, what do you teach? Uh, well, I, I, I've, Right. Most recently, I taught uh, tenth grade English. Okay. Okay. Awesome. But I, most of my career, I taught seventh grade uh, civics. Okay. Government. Great. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. So, I love that work, um, and I'm good at it, and I I love also teaching other teachers how to get better. Mm. That's kind of That's my passion. Awesome. Cool. Okay. Yeah. But I I don't, right now don't feel like I'm growing, and like what I hear you say is like it seems like the focus of your artistic work is I want to keep getting better at this thing, right? I want to keep growing. I want those crowds to grow, not necessarily because it's a reflection of my pocketbook, although that ain't, that, that's a nice perk, yeah. but also just because you want to get better. That's right. Yeah. Yeah. It, it's tough, man. Um, I, I think we have to, and I, I can't speak, I can't speak for you and I, I don't know the circumstances, but I, for, for me, when I feel like I'm stagnant, it, it's, it's it can be so hard because yeah um i think for me it's just my method in that is just grinding even harder and even Mm. though really what what ends up happening i find is that i sometimes create more problems for myself yeah um unfortunately but doing so staying busy and and trying to create whether it's creating content or creating a let's find a song that maybe i've got in the backlog that we just need to put out and just anything that it's like so i'm not staying complacent right um, and uh that's just kind of where my mind's been at the that's, last couple months dude that's super helpful i've been thinking about that too on this trip you know i drove up here from florida and just lots of just me lots of time on the road you yeah. know and lots of time thinking and that's I, one of the things i kept thinking about was like when i'm at when you're in it Sometimes you kind of alluded to something similar earlier. When you're in it, it's hard to see yeah. what your sort of habits are in your day to day. Is yeah. and it's not like I'm like laying around all day. Yeah. I'm I'm looking for new jobs and I'm doing this and I'm writing on my own things. Yeah. But getting to get out of that and and kind of get away from home and realize like, oh wait, I'm not using my time as wisely as I could. I could be grinding harder yeah. in, in in a way that's fulfilling, right? In yeah. a way that's that's helping me grow. Yeah. Right. And it, it is a balance. Like, you know, there's, it's great to take rest days. It's great to, to, you know, it, lately, you know, over the last several years, it's all been about mental health. Yeah. It's, there's this, but, but man, that's, there's, you got to find balance in that too, because everybody wants to push mental health and taking care of yourself and not going too hard or take a re- all this stuff. But it's like, man, the balance between working hard and knowing where your body has gone too far and needing to rest, it's way, uh, it leans way more towards the working hard and the day in day out grind than it does the, the rest day. Mm -hmm. Like it's, there's in my mind, I, we have, we have seven days in a week and you know, if I'm taking one of those days as a rest day, that's six days to bust it. Yeah. You know, and <laughs> I, I, I don't know. I think 
for me, it's we can do way more than we we think we and can. We're capable of. Yeah. Yeah. No doubt. Man, we're already up against time. Um, that was. This has been we'll, awesome. We'll have to do it again. This yes. has been awesome. I love talking can, to you. Can man. I? Can I get like a minute or two more? Of course. From you? Yeah. Sure. Because um, we usually end on what what you're getting down on. So okay. Cool. That's yeah. the art oh, that's nice. got you fired up. Yes. Like so, we talked about a few things that you saw, and maybe 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 Bonnaroo sets that you also want to talk about. Yeah. If you want to expand on those, but music, art, whatever's got you fired up right now. So uh, me and my buddies just finished uh, my our, my second album. And oh, sweet! I didn't know that. Yeah, so I've been uh, I've been working on that the last month or so, and I go in next week, uh, or I guess two weeks, to finalize it and then get it off to to mastering. Hell yeah! So, yeah, man, I'm super excited. It's a, uh, definitely headed towards a direction I'm excited to go. Cool. M- much more, much more rock leaning. Um, kind of a Paul McCartney, Tom Petty meets the rolling stones oh hell yeah um i can see you saying that very much it feels the record feels like me like i I, it almost i mean i've all i've wondered about self-titling i don't know but uh it's just i'm super pumped about it i think people are gonna really it, it sounds like it was recorded in a cabin it's just really it's all there there's no special something going on it's just right there for you to dissect and it's I think it's going to be really cool. Hell yeah! So yeah, I'm 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 pretty jazzed about that. Awesome. Um, but in in yeah, dealing with Bonnaroo, man, the Wolfpack set last night. Uh, my buddies and I were standing there just with our jaws open. <laughs> That's awesome, man. It, it, I, I wish I could stay up that late. <laughs> well, what, we, what, we shouldn't be. What, <laughs> what stood out about it? Like what what was so special well, about I mean, it? I I have never seen one of their shows, so I I didn't I, I went in not knowing about the whole robe thing um, with the hats they wear. So I don't really know that either. I know that they're known for their live show. It's uh, it's a thing. I, I don't think they've done it forever, but it's what they've been doing most uh, recent in their shows is wearing these white bathrobes with a red little hat that looks like uh, the hats that um. Like Devo or something? Oh, uh, you can edit this out. What What's the blue uh, cartoon that wears the red hat? Smurfs. Smurfs. It's like Smurf hats. Oh. Um, and they are all up there in bathrobes just dancing and playing music. But what stood out the most is that I started... I, I realized something was off, and I was like, man, what why is this hitting so hard? Like, why are we all just enamored by this? And I started to look at each individual guy and I realized that not one person in the band was looking out at the crowd during the entire show. Everyone's eye contact was on another player at any given moment. Interesting. It, if I, if I was walking down the street window shopping and I turned and looked in a window and there was this little box and it was just a miniature band inside that box playing, that's exactly what it was. Wow. They had no idea we were there. They, they're glad we're there. Sure. And that's fine. But 
even when they address the crowd, it's just everything they're doing is to either make one of the other guys laugh. It's a competition they're having on who who can who can stretch their legs to get down lowest towards the stage while still playing guitar and and an extremely difficult lick. Yeah. The it is it was amazing. And I was like, man, can is that something that we can incorporate in a you don't find that in in country music shows very much. Yeah. Um, Where's the balance there? Is that something that could fit in to what we're doing? It people were just watching them have fun. And that was the show. I mean, I'm going to butcher this Guy Clark quote, but uh, Todd Snyder told me that Guy said to him, he said something like, Todd said something like about writing for the audience and and uh, or playing for the audience. And Guy's like, we don't do them. We don't do it for them. <laughs> yeah. Todd tells us a story, obviously, way better than I just did. <laughs> That's but, awesome. Uh, folks who haven't heard that episode with Todd Snyder, please go back and listen to that episode. <laughs> incredible um but yeah that sounds like a similar thing like you're up you, you know you're glad they're there but you're up there playing the music for you and you're and that was something i i wrote a note here about how or maybe i tweeted about it i think i tweeted about it about how how much fun it seemed like y'all were having yesterday during your set it seemed like you and your band that the the what we consumed as as uh, fans last night was that y'all were having a great time on stage Good. and that you were very in That's tune awesome. with each other. Yeah. Well, I hope I thank you, man. I, I hope that is the case. Mm-hmm. I, I don't know. I, I think I really would struggle. I loved watching Wolfpack do it, but I, I wonder if I would struggle with that approach because for me, it's just, I, I, I love people. I'm yeah. so excited to meet new people. And when I'm up there on stage looking out, like I really do feel like a, I, I want to go out right now and just like meet who that person is right yeah. there and like give them a hug. Like I, I don't know yeah. what that feeling is. I don't. I don't know what you call it. But I noticed your eyes like actually s- scanning individuals. It felt like it looked uh, like you were looking at individual people. Yeah. And I, and I don't. I don't know. Again, that's that's not what I saw Wolfpack doing. But I mean, it's it also could have to do with the fact that they're on a massive stage with thousands of people out yeah. there and and I'm in a tight place and can see everyone that could yeah. that could be the difference but I don't know man I just I feel this uh, a huge uh I don't even know the word I'm looking for um desire to just like give everything I have to like these folks that are here um right in front of me so like <laughs> sacrifice just like give whatever i have in the tank it's all going to be right here and, yeah. and and i want every each person to feel it you know yeah um so i i hope that comes across but i mean it's there there's definitely still so many things that i learned from just the between the Wolfpack show and the charlie crockett show that i gotta try to and the fleet foxes show those three shows have blown me away i mean i'm just so inspired that's awesome yeah. man well dude thank you for taking time out of your thank bonnery you, to talk yeah, about this man. this was awesome and Appreciate i cannot it. wait for folks to hear it dude thank you so much man right. yeah thanks for taking the time this has been so fun awesome thank you yeah
JD Clayton, y'all. Thank you so much, JD. Thank all of you for listening. JDClaytonOfficial.com for all things JD Clayton. He has a tour kicking off in September. Don't miss him and his band if they get anywhere near you, y'all. Great live show, as I mentioned during the conversation. The song you're hearing in this episode is Cotton Candy Clouds from JD's record Long Way From Home. MarinadePodcast.com for all things The Marinade, including written pieces, photography, our online store, and more. Follow us on Instagram, TikTok, Spoutable, and Twitter. Subscribe and give us a five-star rating on your podcast app. Tell a friend about the show. These are all free ways to support The Marinade. If you really like what we're doing, please consider joining our Patreon community, where for just a few bucks a month, just two bucks a month, y'all, you can gain access to Patreon-exclusive content. Things like our show Jason's Journey, where I talk about the moments that shape my creative life and provide a window into the process of making The Marinade. Y'all, you can now try a free trial of Patreon to see if you like it. No pressure. Try it for seven days, set a reminder on your phone in case you want to cancel, and keep going if you dig it. We have a monthly show called What We're Getting Down On. It is so much fun. It's a conversation between me and my good friend Peter Haroldson that we record on the first Monday of every month. The most recent episode of that, I talked uh, about Kyla Janae Lacey's work. She was our guest on episode 135, and uh, give a little bit of a behind the scenes into how that conversation came to be. Y'all, Bonnaroo doesn't happen for this in-between jobs educator, if not for our Patreon patrons. Thank you so much to everybody who is able to support the show financially. Um, We also over on Patreon have our show Inner Child, where I talk about, uh, I I ask our guests childlike questions, such as favorite food, TV show, things like that. Y'all, if you want to support the show financially, but you don't want to commit to a monthly subscription, I totally get that. You can Venmo or PayPal us at The Marinade. All the money goes right back into making the show. Um, Above all, we're just so grateful that you listen and spread the word about The Marinade. Until next time, go out and create something. Cheers, y'all.